footage is hard to watch. The father is holding up his phone, recording, while the mother is red-faced, screaming at her nine-year-old. I didn't do that! You tell me what you did! I swear to God, I didn't do that! They have their son cornered. She's blocking the bedroom door so he can't leave the room. On the floor in front of them is a scattered deck of Uno cards and what looks like a spilled bottle of black ink, which is seeping into the white carpet. What? shout at their nine-year-old, Cody, over and over until he's crying behind his thick glasses. I didn't do that. I don't have anything to tell her. Why did you do that? But here's a twist. The anger you're hearing, it isn't real. The ink isn't real. This whole incident was planned by the parents as a prank. I got a prank for Cody. I bought this here, invisible ink, and I'm gonna squirt it all over his carpet and start flipping out. One of many, many pranks the Martins have played on their adopted children. Many of them end up in tears. Too many. You did it too! You both did it! Jimmy Kimball plays pranks on his kids too. For Halloween, he encourages listeners to tell their children they ate their hard-earned trick-or-treat candy while they slept. We had an idea for a massive prank that parents could pull on their children. I asked parents to pretend they ate all their kids' Halloween candy, record video of their child's reaction, and upload it to YouTube. America's Funniest Home Videos has made millions of dollars off cute kids being pranked by their parents. It's adorable to see their reactions to hear them squeal when their dad pops out of the garbage can wearing a Halloween mask. But like all things, the internet has democratized pranking. Just like music, art, and awful opinions, you don't need a studio budget to make some money on YouTube. You just have to go viral. Listen, it's just a prank. You're listening to The Reengineered You. This is a podcast about self-empowerment and all the myths, lies, and misconceptions we tell ourselves. Then, we use science and history to bust those myths and re-engineer a better you. I'm your host, Todd Laments, The Extrovert. And I'm the writer, researcher, and introvert, Joe Anthony, whose job it is to dig through the outer lay of no-duh on the internet. Maybe your dad woke you up with an air horn once. Or your uncle jumped out of a pantry wearing a Halloween mask. Does this make them a sociopath? Likewise, if you have kids and you feel the urge to put plastic cockroaches in their lunch sack before school, does this make you a bad parent or an awesome parent? Today's episode is all about pranking and trolling. Whether it makes us fun people or closet sociopaths. We also need to define a few terms before we go forward. That way, whenever we say prank, troll, or harass, you know what we're talking about. Pranking is an elaborate scheme designed to annoy one person in particular. It's usually pretty harmless and focused on targeting someone's mental weakness or idiosyncrasies, not them as a person. 
Kind of like if you know that your roommate hates cat vomit, so you start, you know, putting fake cat vomit around the house, that kind of thing. Trolling is targeting a group of people. Think of it as casting bait for anyone who might bite, rather than setting up a bear trap for a specific someone. Trolling can be as simple as stating a bullshit fact trying to get under people's skin. Just as a total random example, like going to an astronomy class and pretending to be a flat earther. Harassment, on the other hand, is targeting someone for who or what they are. Doxing someone online because they disagree with you. Calling in a gun scare so that cops will knock down their door. Going into someone's job and making insane requests. Harassment is doing something unwelcome because you don't like them as a person or because there's profit in it. Those are our three myths today. When is pranking healthy? When is it harassment? When is it trolling? And when is it just good old fashioned fun? We're gonna get into our myths. But first I wanna tell Joe about the shocking world of YouTube prank channels. Okay, so <laughs> I kind of got into this episode. It, by the way, um, this was not on our episode doc. It wasn't like we didn't have a burning desire or need to know more about pranking as humans. This was because um, I just kind of wanted to share, like, I, I want a lighthearted episode, and I want to ask you, Todd, have you played a lot of pranks on other people? And if you have, what is the best one? I haven't. I'm not much of a prankster. I I would be on the team of them. You know, I keep thinking back to when I was a kid, Boy Scout camp, you know, just doing silly things like toothpaste under the doorknobs and scaring people and pretending that places were haunted, you know, kind of scaring little kids. And then in the Army, we would do this, the same kind of kind of drunken, stupid pranks, you know, <laughs> that okay. would turn into brawls. Yeah. But what about you? Um, I am a prolific pranker. Um, I do them regularly, especially when I was living with roommates. Um, that was not a hypothetical, by the way. I one time found my roommate chasing after his cat, which was about to cough up a hairball or, or vomit on the floor. And I, I explained to him that, you know, that's, that's going to happen. Like, the cat is going to do that. You let her outside. She eats grass. That's normal. And chasing right. her does not help. She'll go under a table or under a cabinet, and then you'll just be moving furniture and cleaning. And, yeah, they, well, they um, clean themselves all the time. They eat a lot of hair, you know, because they're always cleaning themselves, too. Yeah. Right, exactly. So um, I f he, he, he explained to me that he, he really was bothered by it, um, even though he's, he's owned cats all of his life. So I filed that away in my mental bank, and then later, I softened cat food from the bag in water overnight. So it was sanitary. Um, and then I would leave it around the house. And this lasted about a month. And I, I escalated it slowly. Uh, first, it would be like a, a couple of you know tablespoons of fake cat vomit on the floor. And then it, you know, a couple days later, it was more. And then it was a little bit more, but it was in weird places, like bottom of the stairs, on somebody's shoes, things like that. It, did, it you get, did you get enjoyment out of this? <laughs> oh, it was, was hilarious. It was... I, I could not stop laughing. My other roommate was in on it, too. Um, so he just thought we were being cruel because we were chuckling whenever he would find the cat vomit. And you know, one day he got home, 
and I was trying to end the prank. Like it, it went on for about a month, and I was trying to get, I, like I, I wanted it to be an amount that was, you know, ludicrous, and and a cat couldn't do that. And it, it took, you know, 20 or 30 ounces of water and a huge mixing bowl. And it it was everywhere. He still didn't get it. He went and got the cat carrier. And, you know, despite it being twice as much as a cat's stomach could possibly hold, he got the cat and he was ready to go take it into the vet to get it looked at. And that's when we calmly explained to him, look, buddy, you've been had. Like, this, is, this has been going on for a while now. And... Before he gets a thousand thousand dollar vet bill, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he was he was outraged, but like after I said, you know, it's food, like it's cat food is melted down. It's it's never been harmful. He immediately softened and he thought it was fun. And like he, I later on he told his parents at Thanksgiving about it. So I didn't feel so bad because he was, you know, it, it became a story for him. <laughs> I imagine the army pranks are pretty much the same. I've I've heard so many of my army and navy friends, God, especially the navy friends, where they they talk about the pranks they play on each other. It is, it is it's and it's it's all good fun. I mean, it's, there's a lot of camaraderie and a lot of. It's almost you know if they're picking on you, it's because they like you. Yeah, I never saw those as on and either side of those as being we're kind of all like a bunch of brothers, you know. Right. The the trolling. Okay, so there's a master troll out there, and he is a celebrity. Um, trolling, the pranking is you pick on one person, and you sort of like, or or you know, a couple of people maybe, and you target them, and you target something that is like not a mental weakness, but like an idiosyncrasy. When when I say idiosyncrasy, it means just like there's a um, a lever to get to their psyche, and you just pull that lever with your prank. It's it's not because you want to hurt them or you dislike them. It's because like they have some quirk about their their mind, and you just pull that lever to to humble them a little bit. Trolling is you go after a group of people and you are just messing with them. Um, online trolling means usually you pretend to be innocent, like you pretend like you're not doing anything. You're just saying stuff, and it it happens to be things that get under groups of people's skins. The master troll is George Clooney. Did you ever hear about what he did with the paparazzi faking a wedding? No. <laughs> he owned like, I don't remember where it was. He owned like an Italian villa or something. And every year the paparazzi would like hound him and like fake magazines and like, like rag mags in the, the mag in the, you know, in the supermarket line would come out about how like, um, you know, he's going to get married this year. It's going to be big. You know, the secret George Clooney wedding and, you know, pictures, whatever. So he actually did it once. He he took his villa or, or you know, used somebody else's house. He's infamous for doing that, too. And he set up a fake wedding. He put out, like, lines of chairs and tables and drape cloths and umbrellas. And, like, it's all behind the wall of this villa. And so, like... All of these paparazzi started, like, like they went berserk. They were like, oh, my God, it's finally happening. We're going to have the footage of it, too. And they all took pictures of nothing. They took pictures of basically what amounted to, you know, somebody setting up a, a, a photo shoot. <laughs> like, it, it could have been a wedding. It could have been, like, a sermon. It could have been anything. And George Clooney knew it and was just screwing with them all. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't think, you think he would be above that. 
you think he would have, he'd be just too busy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just too busy making movies and being George Clooney. Just being that handsome is probably exhausting. You know what I mean? Right. Don't don't let the handsome, charming fool you. That guy <laughs> is a master pranker and troll. Like he, there's a, there's another one. We won't get into too many of these, but there is one where he pretended to be into painting. And he went and bought a horrible, disgusting, awful painting from a garage sale and told his best friend that, like, you know, I've been working on this for years. I'm I think I'm finally getting good at painting here. Here's a Christmas gift. Please cherish it, my friend. And it was this god awful painting he bought. And he, he, you know, emotionally laid the guilt down thick to be like, hey, aren't you going to hang that? <laughs> so well, my favorite my favorite uh, quote about George Clooney was from a friend of mine she's she's 30 years old and very attractive she's a Persian woman and, thir- and you know in her prime of her life and she said you know he's so he, I, I like George Clooney so much I would pay him to have sex with me <laughs> <laughs> and I thought well that's a, <laughs> that's when you think someone's attractive <laughs> right that's the marker that, that means that's how charming you are so the when we say pranking isn't good fun, I mean, like, yes, you will incur some psychological... You'll shake somebody. You'll you'll make them question their reality. You'll make them confused. You will, you know, make them rethink that that mental lever that they have, that, that you know, you're, you're pulling a lever or a switch, and they don't know that they have it. That's, that's kind of the goal of a prank. But this is not well, what it, the is... Martin parents were doing. Oh, go ahead. Isn't it? It's kind of thoughtful too when it's not on the bullying thing. When yeah, it's if, something that, that that they've paid enough attention to you to see, kind of like your cat analogy or your cat story. That's something that you've paid attention to, and then so you you're kind of because it's going to be within your friend group too. <laughs> so when does it become? When does it become bullying? When does it become that the same person you know of Joe's roommate keeps getting kind of. It goes from being funny to being picked on when they're always the person that gets picked on. Right. That that is something we're definitely going to define and get into later is this whole episode is is figuring out the fine line between bullying and harassment. You know, is it always the the alpha male in your group that is pranking the weakest person in your group? Because that that is just being abusive. Cody's going to Nans because Cody was bad and didn't earn going to Disney. There's going to be some lines that we draw definitely as we go along. And we're going to start with kind of like the first and most obvious line we draw, which is it's not pranking if it's punching down. Meaning if you're the Martin parents and you're only ever pranking like your your kid who gets rattled the easiest and it's just screaming, that is absolutely not a prank. So uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about that. The Martin family, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about this. It was a YouTube channel, and it had, at its peak, it had over 750,000 subscribers and 176 million views. And like Holy all shit. kind of reality, yeah, like all kind of reality shows. The man's name, the the husband's name was Michael Martin, and they were actually adoptive parents. They had five kids, and several of them were adopted. And what it was, was it was just them browbeating, screaming, yelling, setting up things to get the kids in trouble. And they start to escalate. They start When they started getting more views, it started to spiral. As their channel grew and their income grew from amount of views and subscribers, um, 
as it started to grow, they started to get more and more, uh, more verbally abusive with the kids. And what would you watch this thing? And we put clips in the beginning, but I, I, if you can watch it, it's kind of hard to watch, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, it doesn't. It it doesn't feel like a prank. A, a good prank, if you watch it, it's funny, and you you empathize with the person being pranked, but you enjoy it anyway. This is not that. This is like being at an awkward family dinner where like the parents start screaming at the young kids, and it just goes on and on. It feels like it goes on forever. Like if you watch these videos, the discomfort is is just incredible. It makes me just kind of, and I I can't, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist in any way, but a psychiatrist commented on this. Be, and what it it's kind of weird what what she said she made a point about it and she said that it's being abused online is a little bit different than just being abused um verbally and happened once and the reason is is it it's um it's saved and played right. over and over so so you you and i kept thinking about is it extra cruel because these kids are adopted you know my mom was adopted and it's been a sense of um pain for her her whole life you know, not knowing who her parents were, and being, be, and then she she was in a she was adopted by parents who were not kind, who were cruel to her, um, to the point where her her brother, who's the biological kid of them, she was the only adopted when there were two kids, a boy, and my mom was the was the girl who was adopted. They were so abusive to you to to her as a child that it that it it, it scarred my uncle. My uncle won't talk to my grandparents because of how she, how poorly she was treated, and that kind of brought that back to me. So, don't you think that being <laughs> that they were kind of single out of all the kids, the boy and the girl, the adopted ones, is is kind of humiliating. Right. I, I think that if you are adopting children, they are oftentimes already going to come with some amount of you know trauma. And you have to take extra care uh, around them. It's it's not something where you take less care around the adoptive kids. It's no, you you treat them with a gentler hand. And watching these videos, it's the opposite. They're they're it's. I hate to use this phrase because it is sort of like a a stereotype, but it's like it's the redheaded stepchild phase like uh, phrase. It's them treating them like they are. Uh, I I hate to say it like a punching bag for these videos. Well, you know, I didn't grow up in the, even the internet when I was in school, right? I'm too old. But I can't help but think about these kids. You know, it's embarrassing when you when you cry in front of your friends see you cry when you're a kid, right? You try to right. hide that. It happens sometimes. You get embarrassed or you get hurt playing a sport or hurt playing on your bike. And you're embarrassed forever. They, your friends tease you about it. But can you imagine if there's this video channel? And all the kids at school are playing it over and over and making so you had to go through it at home, and now you go to school and I guarantee every single kid in that school knows about this, right? There's no way they wouldn't. And they play it and laugh. That's got to do some <laughs> irreversible damage to these kids long term. It's it has to. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, like um, we're gonna have an episode later about um, Ted Kaczynski. And, like, how to mentally scar somebody the most. And one of the ways you do it, like, if you really want to traumatize somebody, make them relive the trauma without giving them any therapy. And that's what watching a video of you being screamed at by your parents would exactly do. And and these kids know they're on YouTube. They they know the channel. They rewatch the videos with their parents. Uh, and 
the the there's even like a clip of this in one of the clips that we're going to share and link off to where like the daughter is like she's crying and she's like stop recording stop recording like she's saying it over and over and she's like seven or eight like it is crazy let's first talk about how old is pranking um one of our earliest episodes we revealed that like telling dirty jokes or just stupid jokes is is as old as humankind the the oldest joke was the babylonian fart joke um or mesopotamian uh how do you think that pranking is something we've always done as humans or do you think it's only now that we have resources that now that we're not worried about starving immediately every day that now we can play pranks on each other. I'd say when the Three Stooges came out, that's when we, our, we officially became stu- stupid <laughs> as stupid as a species. Um, I, I so I I couldn't find the earliest prank on Earth. Unfortunately, I assume it's like the as soon as shoelaces were invented, somebody tied somebody else's shoelaces together. I can only assume. Um, but one of the the early early pranks I found. Have you ever heard of the Pythagorean cup? No. Okay, so uh, this is credited to Pythagoras of Samos. It's when you take a cup that has like a weird, like if you imagine a straw, like at one of those bendy straws. Um, if you had a bendy straw and the top bendy part that you normally drink from is facing down, except that bendy straw is in the stem of the cup and the little straw head faces down into the liquid that you're pouring into it. So, like, it's basically a siphon on the inside stem of a wine cup. And the idea is you fill the wine cup just a little bit, like like half full or something, where you can still see the, the top of the head of the straw. It's fine. But once you fill the cup up to where that U-bend starts, the cup drains itself completely empty. And it was a hilarious prank because people who were really thirsty and wanted a lot of wine, like they were greedy, they would go to fill this thing. And like the moment it gets to a certain level, it would just drain itself and, and just wine would be everywhere. Um, and the funniest part is I found a wiki how on how to build it. And it's it's goofy and weird. Like everything, I, I, wiki how has gone too far, I'm convinced. Anything you would want to do... <laughs> that is impractical has been explored to death and figured out right like (laughs) right (laughs) yeah we we can stop posting on WikiHow now everybody who is you know a historian looking at the pythagorean cup what's wrong with you um that's got to be someone somewhere on the spectrum to have that particular interest besides you joe i mean you guys (laughs) dealing with some serious mental health issues of all the entertainment that's out there why would that be a rabbit hole you'd run down but that's my that's my that's my podcast partner for you (laughs) (laughs) i'm bad mouthing it but that sounds like something i would do um another one that i found i found the uh one of the original whoopee cushions sort of um uh, roman emperor oh god this name elegabalus who would not make a fart sound but he would put fake cushions under people and then deflate them slowly throughout the night so that a it would make weird noises but b at the end of the night his like senators and people he had gathered around they'd be sitting on their butts like like they would be on the floor and they'd be like i don't i don't get how or why um, it is worth mentioning, though, this guy was known to torture people, so, like, maybe they just didn't want to say anything. Maybe they're just like, yeah, no, floor is where I belong. This is fine. 
Yeah, you get guilty by just bringing it up, right? Just by knowing about it, you might get your eyes cut out or something, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Even if you didn't do it, the king doesn't care. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. If you if you don't laugh at his his jokes either, um, that is okay. So that is something else we want to talk about in seriousness with pranks. If it is against somebody who can't not laugh, like if you play a prank on somebody and you're their boss. And if they don't laugh, you know, they get punished. They, they get their parking spot taken away or they, they're up for demotion or something. That's not a prank. That's just you being cruel and enjoying yourself at somebody else's expenses. Um, okay, actually, th- this kind of brings us to our, our first science point. Um, I want to talk about an article uh, called The Purpose of Pranks by Benedict Carey. And I, I want to kind of go through the anthropology of, of why we prank each other and what it's supposed to do. If you, if you don't mind us getting kind of technical for a bit. Please. So um, in this article, we're, we're going to share. What's anthropology? Look at like Tell me what anthropology is for the study of people in societies, basically, throughout okay. history. Um. Like like a good example of like an uh, anthropology study that has to do with pranking. Um, they look at uh, the Deribi of New Guinea, like a tribe, and they use pranking as a coming of age ritual. And for this ritual, it's against children. Like like I want to find one that was specifically here's a prank against children, but it serves a purpose. Um, they take their children as a coming of age ritual, and they take a box. And um, they l- tell them, like, this is a box. It's a magic box. It has, it will be full of treasure at some point, but you can't look in it. And then they go bury it. And the kid sweats and thinks about the box and, like, wonders what's in it, wonders what's appeared. <laughs> is, it, is it gold? Yeah. Is, it, is it food? What, what is in the box? And eventually they will succumb to curiosity. It's, it's like the marshmallow test we've talked about where, like, eventually it will get too great they have to look into the box and they'll go open it up and it is feces. Somebody in the tribe, it's their job to poop in this box and bury it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like the kids' the, the Christmas idea. presents that you just can't wait. You just can't do it. I, I like the tribal the, the, when they do those studies because they're stripped down of a lot of stuff, right? So they're, they're right. going to act the most human when they don't have so many distractions. <laughs> right. But but there's a purpose for this. It's not just screaming at a kid until they cry. It is, you know, it, it's it's taking their own temptation, their own mm-hmm. curiosity. It's it's pulling a lever on that mental weakness or, or that mental idiosyncrasy, and it is teaching them a lesson. It's, you know, these tribes don't have much, and they they have a very specific sort of like life that they've lived for you know thousands of years. So. The idea is here is something that will teach them a lesson and be kind of funny for us at the same time. Um, it's a win-win. That, yeah, it, it's it really like most pranks do seem to be like a good win-win, and and then later on they will do that to their children and they will think it's hilarious too. But yeah, it 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 kind of gets them used to life as it's going to be in the tribe. Um, this is something that they say in the article that Benedict Carey points out to. He says that you know, practical jokes are mostly and, and most commonly uh, an effort to bring people into the group. That you know, part of these rituals around the world, they are supposed to teach you to temper your success with humility. And that, that is a reoccurring theme in a lot of our episodes, including this one. Humility is huge. 
like you don't play a practical joke on somebody who has nothing and nothing going for them in life. Like if, if you are playing a practical joke on your friend who has lost his house recently and like COVID has crushed him and he doesn't have any money in the bank and he's stressing about tomorrow, you don't play a practical joke on him. You play a practical joke on somebody who thinks they have everything or that they're doing great. Like you, you give them a little bit of humility. Um, in this article, they say that you know, these kind of tricks are pretty common and you know, they, they're, they're supposed to put you down before raising you back up again. Like you're, you're reminded of your failings and you're being honored. Like, like somebody took the time yeah. out of their day to design totally, this for you. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like they're, they're paying attention to you. They're looking for things that, that are unique to you. That, that, that to me would be flattering. That's somebody right. kind of like surprise party flattering. You know, it's it's a sign of love, and you're excited, and you're and you're a little scared, right? <laughs> right. I mean, you even use the magic word uh, in this. The the um, one of the sociologists from Smith College in this article, they they specifically say it can be a kind of flattery. You're being brought in. They're taking the time to bring you into the group. They're taking the time to think of you. A, a good prank is. I mean, this is going to sound wild, but. A good prank is almost like a good gift buyer. So, like everybody knows that friend that like gives really thoughtful gifts. That same friend who always gives you the gift that like that is gonna you know contribute to your life and and you know yeah. is picked out for your personality and it's perfect. That same person is gonna be an amazing pranker. Like they're gonna pick something a, a prank to pull on you that isn't cruel, doesn't do a lot of property damage, but but hits specific social weaknesses of yours, but it doesn't go too hard. Um, they had a, a firefighter who pranks people in this article and, and firefighters are known for pranking like, like any, any kind of like civilian service like that, where you're stuck together with other guys, you know, in a, yeah. <laughs> in a sweat box with a lot of downtime. Yeah. You're, you're living a lot together, of downtime shoulder to yeah. shoulder. Yeah. Downtown. Yeah. Downtown. Right. Um, he says, uh, in this article, he says, keep it above the belt. Stop short of humiliation, total humiliation. And if possible, mix in irony and a sense of drama because that and I totally agree with all those things. That's that's a perfect prank. You know, it's 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 humility. It's, you know, entertainment. It's giving them a story. Uh, it's drama. But it, it it's stagecraft and it's also lets them know that you're paying attention to them. Like it brings them in socially. Now, the Martins aren't the only people who have started making a ton of money on YouTube pranks. Speaking of pranks that don't do any of those things, that, that are effectively just like being jerks for money, um, can we talk a little bit about pranking as a paid genre? The Martins did not get their money out of nowhere. Like, like they piggybacked on a wave or a movement that was happening on YouTube. And this is like... What's that old show where they used to prank people? Um, Candid Camera. <laughs> Candid Camera. Exactly. <laughs> Candid Camera, American Videos. There, there's been some big national prank shows, but where the, the pranking's gone too extreme, and this is a whole genre I didn't know about until we studied for this episode, um, is on YouTube. And we're talking about a big business. And it started out that I'm trying to take you through the timeline of it. It's extremely interesting to me. Um, once you get into it, yes, please. Um, I always envision these guys like from Jersey or New York. You know what I mean? <laughs> these really like polished bullies. 
Yes. Like they, they, Guido bullies, yeah. you know, with that slick back hair. They kind of look of Italian heritage, and they're real sharp-witted and just and just not very, very uh, fearless. Yeah, Alex. Gabby. I was simply, I was going to ask you if I can drill your girl. Is that a girl? Drill my girl? Drill your girl, yeah. You don't f***ing talk like that to people. Wait, wait, first of all, is that your girlfriend? You didn't even ask? That's none of your f***ing business, man. What the fuck? You came over here, motherfucker. Bro, back up. We got a camera right there, bro. (laughs) Yeah, they, they seem like they would be, like, on Venice Beach pranking somebody, if not for them going to, like, bad neighborhoods to really screw with people. Like, like they, yeah. Now the, I think that's a good description. And a good, so uh, this genre's on YouTube, and there's a whole lot of them, and, and it, it had, a, it had a, a following, a monster, monster, millions and millions following. Now, a good prank comes from discomfort and confusion. Now, with the hidden cameras that they started doing, um, they're going for huge shock value and a lot of times just temper tantrums from people who are seen at their worst when something doesn't go their way. And it was really easy in the beginning. This this genre started about 2005. And it was really just that. It was people videoing their brother when they hit his computer and watching him because that was something like kind of with like Joe's cat puke story. His his He knows his brother's very particular about his laptop. So he hides that, puts a camera up and watches his brother just storm around, and then they just laugh, and they, they show it to him. So that's what they were. In the beginning, it was just kind of surprising your family. There were fart ones, silly ones, jumping out of the closet. And it got easy. A lot of these people in 2005 who did this started making a lot of money very fast. So as soon as people see that, um, the copycats come out, and more people start jumping okay. on because it was so easy. But then to get views right after, you know, 2006, 2007, they had to get more outrageous because there were too many people doing it. So those basic, simple ones weren't working. So then it kind of went to evolved or devolved into um, went from picking on, let's say, me picking on you or me picking on my roommates to strangers. And then it got to be more embarrassing, like hugging strangers or or trying to get people to kiss you who don't know you. Now, in 2022, it's even gaining speed. It's getting more and more views and more and more subscribers. And pranksters started getting huge audiences doing confrontation things. And they would do things like going into a minority neighborhood and saying racist things or sexist things and trying to start a fight, get a confrontation. (laughs) That's when I think of these guidos in New York doing this. (laughs) These muscled up young men confronting people with very, very, very inappropriate things. That's why I didn't know about the genre because I have seen YouTube videos surface on my feed where it says like, prank gone wrong, and it it shows one of these guys, you know, like with a racist sign on his, his front or like, you know, uh, Trump supporter stuff in like a, you know, uh, uh, an underprivileged neighborhood or like a poor neighborhood. And he's he's just trying to provoke a reaction. That's a good one. That's that's coming up here. Um, oh, OK. <laughs> in, two, in, in 2013, this is kind of the peak of this whole thing. There was a gold digger one. And what this guy would do was he'd go out and um, he'd try to ask women for their phone numbers. And then he would, sh- and they would, 
blow him off or, you know, not be interested. And then he would show that he had a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. That they'd kind of try to try to get his phone number wanted to meet him. And this had huge, huge views. I mean, this, this... I've seen those pop up too. That's crazy. <laughs> Have you watched those? That was one of these prank wave. Yeah, okay. those were actually pretty. Of all the other ones that I was disgusted by, that one was kind of a little bit funny. It's a little bit funny, you know, well, to it watch feels like him it's humiliating the right person. Yeah, exactly. Because he was chasing after them, and then now they're chasing after him. And oh, now they care about his money. You know, it's, it's kind of silly, right? But so in 2015, it just got flooded. It just got saturated. Every Joe and Todd was trying to make their own YouTube channel pranking. They were fans of them. There's copycats. So now it's almost impossible to get noticed because it's, to me, Joe, it reminds me of Amazon self-publishing. We know yeah. we know what a flood that is. Everyone's a bestseller and, you know, everyone's buying their own books. Everyone Every, thinks it's easy money. Yeah. yeah, everyone's an author, right? And so okay. the copycats start. So what happened was... Everyone started going to to get outrageous because you, you can't really control how people act when they're surprised or shocked or whatever. You don't know what they're going to do. So they started setting up staged fake pranks. So these, oh. can, these can be as outrageous. And I'll give you an example. I didn't know this for many years. And then somebody told me and I thought, why? Well, you ever listen to those radio shows where they say, um, they call it, we have one here in Portland, it's called War, War of the Roses, where they call someone and say, who's in a relationship, who's living with someone, who's married, says, you just won free flowers. Um, you can send them to whoever you want. And then they see who they send them to. And they don't send them to their spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, partner. They send it to a stranger or their their mistress or their, you know, their hookup. And then they can... Right, if you're somebody they're crushing on in the yeah. office. Those are all fake, Joe. Those are all actors. And the same when they call the work and say, you know, we just told your... Like a friend called in and said... We just towed your car and we're going to have it destroyed and the people get all upset. Those are all set up. Those are all staged, Joe. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I had no idea. Like uh, you, you almost crushed my dreams. I have re-listened to and shared the John Cena one where somebody calls in the radio and they, they say you've won. You know, we're trying to sell you tickets to uh, you know WWE Super SmackDown or whatever. Right. And they just call this woman over and over again and she kind of loses her mind. I... I used to listen to those radio pranks back in the day. I had no idea those were fake. I mean, it makes sense. You want something predictable that you can error on, you know, and, and they're not going to curse too much that you can't use the, the audio. So Right, or just hang up on you, you know, just get annoyed and just not funny. So you have to, you have to really string them along. Didn't mean to ruin that for you, but it's time that you grew up and lived in the real, <laughs> real world with the rest of us. Now, this is where, the, this is where the, you know, things have run their course. And this pranking thing has run its course. But this is how it ended. So they're doing all these fake sh shows. Well, then the, these other YouTubers came out with exposing fake pranks and showing why that they those were pranks. So what would happen is, let's say you have your own channel and you're very successful and, and I'm on to you and I show why this is, I, I do my own show and I, and I go after you. Kind of like these um, YouTubers who go after multi-level marketing companies and stuff. And they show all the holes and, and show that these people are actors and where they saw them before and how this all worked out. Oh, but, okay. But believe it or not, <laughs> believe it or not, that actually helped the top prankers because they would get more exposure on that shows, which got them more views, which got them more revenue. <laughs> 
So, so they were doing things to get caught on those pranking shows. Does that make sense? Okay, so they were making their pranks as outrageous, as stupid, as harassment as possible, so that they'd be featured. Mm-hmm. But then that's f- goddamn crazy. Oh, okay, well, okay, actually, so hold on. How into uh, stage magic are you? Like cards and things like that. Not, I'm not. I'm no David Copperfield. I don't know anything about magic. Okay. <laughs> the same that thing happened weird. with. Well, okay. The the reason I mention this is, like. Magic was not interesting, but then Penn and Teller started a show called Fool Us, and then there was oh, like yeah, another yeah. show called like The Secrets of Magic, and like yeah. it blew up again. Like like magicians started trying to go on the shows where they would have their secrets revealed by somebody that, who was like I, busting them. I do remember, and the guy would wear a mask, and he he's like hated by his community. Exactly. He he stabbed his community in the back by telling them how this is exposed and how they do this disappearing right. tiger and. You should take all the fun out of it. They should hate that. They should have a contract killing for this guy, but they don't, right? It's just a... Right. So this this prank exposure, this is the yard sale version of that, like where it got popular again because somebody was exposing it. Well, the, the finally, the end of all this came, and, and of course, it's, when, when the money stops, it stops. These were becoming so inappropriate so disgusting and so humiliating a lot of this stuff that was on it was such smut youtube changed how it monetized people they were monetizing more through their ads and they can't sell ads over this smutty pranking too far too extreme you know kid parents yelling at their kids screaming at their kids so that's when it was all over because they weren't getting the money that they got 2005 all the way up to 2016 so YouTube, which I think is great, right? They're not gonna, they're not gonna yeah. reward people for abusing people or for extreme online bullying. I think that's a really smart move. Like I very rarely think that I I like the idea of not censoring somebody but not rewarding them for doing gross stuff. Like, yeah, I I can't say enough about how douchey and you know annoying these guys are on these these prank channels but i like that they had their their you know their gold coin revoked for this how are you take this in any weird way but like i was just wondering if you guys want to get drilled but one of the big ones towards the end that had a big boost is what joe touched on is um they went to a an african-american neighborhood and, and put trump stuff and trump support stuff all over everything I was going to say, did you see the one with the um, electric bike or the cord bike? No, I didn't see that one. Okay. So there is a, a type of prank that I actually did watch because when I saw it, it, it already looked gross before I even clicked the video. And this was a couple of years back. I was bored at work. And it was somebody leaving a bike uh, unchained or unlocked in like public spaces but they were choosing like extraordinarily poor neighborhoods where just everyone looked sad and like abused and like disabused of, of everything. Like like life had crapped on them. And he was leaving this bike out and waiting for him to ride away and it would shock them. Like it would hit them with like a stun gun voltage. And like that was the prank. <laughs> and it just immediately wow. seemed to me just like, no, that's just cruelty. Like that is just, you come from a privileged background, you can afford to buy a really expensive bike and leave it somewhere and then rig it up with a stun gun. That's insane, and it's also, like, disgusting. 
I, I can still think of the one that I, I kind of enjoy, and, and I don't know why. I'm embarrassed to even admit this, but I, I do like the show Jackass. I used to watch the show. I do watch the movie because uh, it was just yeah. so extreme, and, the, and they were doing that to each other. And that seemed harmless to me because they're all such a bunch of jackasses. You know what I mean? They just see, they just literally were those kind of kids, you know? Well, they literally <laughs> signed up for it, though. Like, they're doing it to each other. And right, they're, right. But they're you could see them in school. You could see them being bad kids in school, dropping out in the 10th grade, being in the principal's office. All, you know what I mean? They really were. That was them. <laughs> yeah. All of these pranksters are racing to the bottom. They're all sort of trying to do the most extreme thing for their channel to, to get views. Um, there's one incident I skimmed. I didn't really get into because I wanted you to get into it. Could you tell us about the horrifying, quote unquote, prank that involved the gun? Yeah, well, like all things, they like we talked about the the, the you know the how how these pranks progress and degress, get worse and worse to get more views, to get more extreme, to get more shock factor. Um, there's one on here where. The dad in this Martin family pulls out what to me looks like a nine millimeter and, and screaming at his kids in a threatening, pretending he staged a prank where it looks like um, someone broke in and he's confused. And so he's drawn a gun on his family. So this was gone just way, way too far. One video even appears to show Mike drawing a gun after an apparent joke gone wrong. And of course, the Martin family pushed the. Well, this was all stage. It's okay, but it, it's it's hard to watch. It just it looks very dangerous. You know, yeah. To be pulling a gun on kids in your own family, and you know, to pull a gun on anybody, unless you're trying to protect yourself, it just seems disgusting and wrong to me. And that's when it officially, it, officially. I mean, it went too far years ago. Um, and yeah. all all this behavior was justified, Joe, by. The parents think saying, but we created a better life for our family. We got into a better house and we made money and we we did all these great things. But at the cost of your children's mental health and maybe permanently damaging your family. Please tell me there were some repercussions for pulling a gun on his family for a prank. Well, you know, the the the. The birth mother of the, of the parents is on one of our clips, and we'll send that to you. And, and it was just hard to watch her, you know, because I know how she must feel. I mean, I don't know how she must feel, but she she, she looked like it was terrible. And um, the two kids that were treated the worst, it did seem like of all the kids, the two adopted kids were treated the, the worst by far. Um, kind of like what you said that, you know, that was that cliche, the, the redheaded stepchild. It, it just kind of rang true. Um, the kids were taken away. Um, there were child neglect charges, and they got probation for five years. So there were real consequences, and there was humiliation towards the parents. I mean, they're they're on TV saying that this is not who we are. This was just for money. We didn't. We, we we're not the monsters everyone thinks we are. A lot of people apparently don't get it. A lot of people don't. That's mine. See the humor in it. I do want to talk about like, okay, when when does a prank go too far, and l what are the negatives? Like we we talked about what makes a good prank well, already. We want to talk about what's borderline. And we've done shows about humiliation and how hum humiliation doesn't work. And that, that's, you know, I'm not, 
I'm ultra sensitive to my feelings being hurt, and I don't like hurting other people's feelings on purpose. I certainly wouldn't go out of my way of thinking of a way. I do hurt people's feelings all the time by the way I talk and being um, just being a jerk sometimes, but I don't <laughs> I don't want to permanently scar someone. Or I guess maybe my own internal fear, my own insecurities, is that that person's not going to like me anymore if I do that to them. Maybe that's why I don't like pranks because I'm just so afraid of humiliating somebody. I, th- I think that's a really good thing to be cautious about when it comes to pranking people. It's a good reason not to. And if you ever have a question of, will I be humiliating this person? That's a good stopping point. That's a good line to draw. Um, that, that New York Times uh, paper we're going to link to, they mention that. They, they mention that you can break a relationship. You can break their you know conceptions of what you see as fair. They can look at you later and say... This person doesn't have a sense of fairness. I can't really trust them anymore. Like, you know, if they're willing to prank me in a way that damages me or or shames me or or brings in too much anger and humiliation, I can't trust them. That's really what it seems like the Martins were doing, is over and over again proving how untrustworthy they were to their own kids. I kind of think, yeah, you think about that, the the buy the ice cream cone. You know, they do all this stuff and... You buy a new Mercedes, you get a better house, and then, you you know, the kids are just being used, you know. And that's the thing, too. Where, where, when does it become when the, you're kind of on eggshells and, like you said, the non-trust, where right. the people are waiting for the next thing to do? I, at your amusement, you know what I mean? It just almost seems it can be a selfish thing, you know. Um, at the end of this article, I'm just going to read their quote because they, they say it better than I think I could. They say in the end, a good prank is a simulation of a crisis, not the real thing. And it serves as a valuable reminder that not every precious box contains precisely the treasure you might expect. <laughs> Again, hearkening back to the tribe that leaves poop in a box for their kids on, you know, <laughs> when, they, when they mature. <laughs> um, there's a lot of people online that, especially during in the comments section, of these the the martin family where they were saying that the problem with pranking just generally is that it's oftentimes the alpha of a friend group or the father of the family like the the person who's wields the most power and has the most influence and and you know the boss that that literally holds the keys to your job that the problem with pranking is it's oftentimes being pulled by the leader of the group doing it to the weaker member of the group And that's something they say in these videos in the comment section is they say that the reason they kept pranking this kid uh, is because, you know, of their children, he was the one that would give the biggest reaction because he was also, you know, the the one that was the most emotionally receptive, fragile, I guess you might just say. Um, I'm glad to hear that they, you know, got some sort of comeuppance. How long did that stick? Like, that's that's the the question I have for you, Todd, is is what happened to them long-term? Like, did they learn their lesson and stop using their kids for monetary purposes? So it's safe to say that their business has, has changed. Um, they do yeah. have, a, they have a website. They have, they have a gaming channel on Twitch. Um, they went back on YouTube with minus the pranking of the family. So the public humiliation they've made, They've been on a lot of talk shows. They've got a lot of press from this, from the negativity. So and none of it was good. So they, they, they apologized. They said, this is not who we are. They stopped doing the prank things. They tried to go back on YouTube as just making regular family, just 
just following their family, like like a reputable any of these shows. It's still probably staged, but it's not the yelling, the screaming, the humiliation, the brow beating. But they were demonetized for that, so they've kind of just kind of faded away, and and slowly and surely we probably won't be hearing much from the Martin family because they're not going to be spending all this time making videos if they're not making any money. If you ever feel the urge to play a prank on your friends, the re-engineered you has your back. We've worked out a checklist that will help you troll your people without looking like a monster. Starting with what pranks shouldn't be. Pranks should never be about profit or getting clicks on social media. Pranks should never be an outlet for your frustration. If a roommate or boss is getting under your skin, have an adult conversation with them. Pranks should never target someone because you disagree with them or dislike them. Pranks should never punch down if you're a middle-class American pranking someone because they're poor or you're a parent pranking your child because they're gullible. You need to rethink your values. Here's what a good prank should be. A good prank is inclusive. It brings the target closer into the social fold. Like firemen pranking the rookie to make him feel like he's part of the team or step-siblings pranking each other as an excuse to play. A good prank on a leader should be about tempering their success with humility. But most importantly, a good prank makes people happy, even to the person on the receiving end. After they clean up the fake cat vomit or aftershave, they should feel a deeper connection with the group. They should walk away with a fun story to share next Thanksgiving, not one they should be ashamed to tell. Ultimately, that's what a good prank is. It's a shared story, an experience you help create. One that might make someone feel foolish in the moment, but becomes a bonding ritual. At least that's what we'll tell ourselves the next time we're filling a co-worker's cubicle to the brim with rubber duckies. This is a shared experience, David. It has nothing to do with you stealing our lunches from the fridge. Thank you.